Selling a little or a lot? Shopify helps you do your thing however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage. All the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is there to help you grow. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Get a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash work. Shopify.com slash work. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot. We charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. This is David Moyes. This is Yapstam. This is Ryan Fraser. This is Troy Daly. This is Jurgen Klopp, and you're listening to The Big Interview with Graham Hunter. Thank you, Jurgen. I travel to all these interviews from Barcelona, and our socios, our beloved members, keep us on the road. This independent podcast wouldn't happen without them. Please go to patreon.com forward slash Graham Hunter right now to join us, to become a socio, and to get every interview we produce without adverts and before it goes out on the main feed, plus lots of bonus content, including the chance to put questions to our guests and to me via the monthly Q&A. So do please go to patreon.com forward slash Graham Hunter and join the club and get your family and friends to do so. Maybe even strangers in the street. Love you. We're back and unlike you, I'm Graham Hunter. This is what's traditionally known as part two of the big interview, given that it comes after part one. We've still got Danny Murphy with us. In this section, we get into the formation of how his brain works tactically, his beginnings at Crewe, and stretching through that memorable spell under Roy Hodgson at Fulham, again qualifying for a European final. And a man in Roy Hodgson who once paid a £20,000 fine for Danny. Our guest breaks down the toughest part of a TV analyst's job, something he patently takes very seriously, something he calls translating a tactical opinion into pictures. I think our guest is good on risk-taking and how stats only tell part of the story if you're an analyst, particularly if you're on radio and television. His former Fulham teammate, as Danny explains, Clint Dempsey, was the perfect example of how a player who was obsessed with numbers found only the most relevant ones to be useful. And again, hello to a set of new socios who have joined us at patreon.com forward slash Graham Hunter, Aaron Duckling, Patrick Durkin, Ryan McMillan, Danny McPhelan and Gavin Skeen. This one goes out to all of you guys. Thanks for the support. Thanks for being there. This is The Big Kid Interview with Danny Murphy. Enjoy. Over and out. We talked about the, the, the you know the, the treble and the and the UEFA Cup, but really at minimum in two thousand and two you should have been competing in a Champions League semi final against Manchester United and, and you weren't. You'd had um, you'd had a, a, another difficult group and I think it must be important that you created the, the winner for Esky against Roma in, in, in what was then called an intermediate it's so sexy intermediate B group in the Champions League. When, remember when there was two groups and it was interminable. Fourteen games you played in the Champions League that season, which is enough now to win it plus two spare. At Anfield that night, two 0 win. You go through after three nil nil draws in the group and one home defeat. So that Roma win must have been gigantic. Well, you you forget that Roma win. Was the night Julio came back from the, from having been away with heart trouble? It was one of the most incredible Anfield experience uh, atmospheres you'll ever witness. Because of the desire for the win and and for him, yeah, the love and warmth from the Liverpool people that night for Gerard, and he wasn't ready to come back. No, he shouldn't have then, but 
he did. And the, the ovation and the, just felt incredible. They were done, Roma, before we, we knew we were going to beat them. That's the Roma of Fabio Capello, of Aldair, World Cup winner, Panucci, World Cup winner, Walter Samuel, Candela, World Cup winner. Uh, we smothered them. Tomasi, Dotti, World Cup winner. Some, I don't know this Argentinian boy up front. We went after Gabriel Batistuta. We went after them. What do you mean they were done? They knew they were, they were done. That's a hell of a side. Yeah, I don't, I've seen, I've seen some good performances out through, not many from teams coming and playing well there, but I've seen a lot capitulate. And it was them or you, because they'd had the same results, and literally it was shit or bust for both of they them. They had a little go second half, which is inevitable, but they're, they're losing by then, and, but we... The atmosphere, every tackle, every... You know, you've been there, you know what it's like. Best, your, is, is that your best Anfield atmosphere then? Is that what we're saying? Yeah. That was a special night. That was, that was more than football. And it sets you up for... I, I, I had a great privilege. I don't know what you think of it. I had a great privilege of speaking to Sammy Hippia in Helsinki last month. And I absolutely adored it. But he talked about the goal of his career, which he said he slammed home against Leverkusen from about six millimetres, I think, because he's on the line as he scores, but you win 1-0. It's the quarterfinal of the Champions League. You just Again, just so that um, people are aware. Side, they had a good side, that year. Big interview guest, Jamie Carragher, Dietmar Hamann, Emil Heskey, Gary McAllister. And they had a good side. It was Hans-Jörg Butt, Lucio, Diego Placente, Zé Roberto... You'd have been up against one of Yildirei Bashturk, Michael Balak, Bernd Schneider, Sebastian was at fullback, Ramelow was a holding midfielder, our first sight of Dimitar Berbatov, Neuville mm. up front, you win 1-0. You know that the other quarter-final uh, that you appeared against is Man United against Deportivo La Coruña. We're back to Manchester United for you. The goals against them to win at Old Trafford, the first ever Frank Stapleton, I'll pay, I'll pay Staple back. And you got to Leverkusen, man. The team that night is Dudek and Goals, Oncho and Ipia in the middle, Karaka left, Abel Xavier on the right. Danny, I think you played right that night with 13 year back, Stevie G, Aman in the middle, Risa on the left, Hiski and Owen up front. And they are largely the same. Let's not do the team lineups again. I'll tell you what I remember about it, and, and if I get this wrong, forgive me, but I don't think I will. Champions League draw mm-hmm. used to happen while we were training, about 11 in the morning. Yep, yep, yep. And someone on the balcony had come out and tell us who we had. And all the lads were like, oh, we get Leverkusen, right? Someone come out and went, Leverkusen. Lads were like, yes. <laughs> right. We didn't know some of those boys. Yeah, yeah. But anyway, no fear of them at all. Mm. Beaten 1-0 at home. Wasn't a great game. But they didn't put any fear of God into us. They didn't make many chances. It was a bit of a tactical game. And we've gone out there super confident probably a little bit too what would tick you off is that Balak scores off his left foot after 16 minutes to go 1-0 up right and the beauty is we equalise just before half time you ping one I don't know how you picked out Abel Xavier's head because it's like, a, <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's like an ice cream cone but you ping a corner right on yeah, his yeah. head we go ahead in the tie and at that point especially because it was away goals back then yeah you're thinking we're in a great position Balak I think he scored another and part of that goal, or build-up to that goal, was putting Stevie G on his bum. Mm. And Ulier didn't like that. And I think also, Chase, um, we made a few substitutions, but my recollection of the subs was wow, because he, he brought Dimar Hamanov, mm-hmm. who was our holding midfielder in our brains. Yeah, and it left us a bit wide open. Um, and we, we ended up losing the game. And do you know what? It is a big regret because we shouldn't have. Well, look, just to help you, because we didn't prep this, and we're going a long way back. Yeah, a long way back. The point is, once Dimitar Berbatov puts them through, in theory, with 20-something minutes left, Lippmann scores a very good goal. Yeah. And and nobody says the assist was genius, but it it was yours, and and it was genius. Okay, after that, he beats three men and slots at home. But I'd be claiming it if I was you, particularly in contract. And at 3-3, because God bless away goals, and it's a ridiculous decision to take them away. <clears throat> it takes them until six minutes left, mm. when their right-footed centre-half scores through two decks legs. But yeah. with six minutes left, you're in a Champions League semi-final against what would have been Manchester United. We had the, we had the hoodoo over at the time. Well, you did. Yeah. Well, you know what? I'll tell you why it wasn't as devastating as it is now. Because... We were doing this as a club. We're in the Champions League, right? We're competing now. We're in another place higher in the league. Every year we were finishing better in the league. We've won some trophies. Confidence was high. Mm-hmm. 
not one of us thought we weren't going to be winning that the next year or the okay. year after. Okay. So there was huge disappointment, but it wasn't like... Well, you were only three years out. You were, I mean, it turned out you were yeah. right. Okay, well, not, no, not, yeah. not you, but it, it, yeah. everything you felt was right. The club was, the club was moving yeah. forward under Hule. We felt that as a group. We'd had lots of success already. So although the UEFA Cup's not the Champions League, you kind of felt, well, we've had a bit of bad luck here. We'll bounce back. It wasn't like losing the Europa League final for Fulham because that loss, you know you're not getting there again with Fulham. I knew it was my last chance to win a trophy. That's horrendous loss. That was the worst football night of my life. Mm-hmm. That, I just thought, well, our time will come with this. Do you know, it's, it's, it's a phrase, that we, we, because we were at Melwood a lot before they, they changed, and um, both Milner and Andy Robertson talked about the, the loss of the final to Real Madrid, and they said exactly those words during the season that built up to them coming back and, and winning. They were like, we will be back. We'll yeah. be then. We'll be. And that, I think that's it. As long as it's not complacent, it's a hugely healthy thing in a group to be like, no, 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 we're on this. We're yeah. Not like, ah, it'll be easy. Like, no, you can feel that things are right. You can feel the hunger. We're the good squad. We're building. It would, it would end up um, in that mad night against AC Milan without you. But because I'm respectful of your time, we, 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 I want to bridge into the, into the sort of final section. We, we've, Danny, we've got people called socios. And socios is a Spanish term for like season ticket holders. And we've, we've got people who've been with us throughout the life of this podcast. They've supported us. They're just listeners who, who pay a subscription and give us questions. And I haven't read these because they just got slipped um, to me by my glamorous assistant. But Tom Bradshaw, okay. Tom Bradshaw says, would you rather have played when you did or if there was a time machine play in this current era right now? And Graham Bradley says, I really enjoy, Danny, your analysis on Match of the Day. Oof, this is a good one. How have you changed as an analyst from when you began till now? So there's two then and now questions there. One about playing. First one, I wouldn't change a thing. I loved playing when I did. I think it was a very... I don't, I don't like VAR. don't like what that's done to football. I think that's, quite, that's been made quite clear. Yeah, I don't, listening. I, I don't like the, the unnaturalness of it. I don't like it. And I, I loved playing when I did. I think I got to play at a time where football had evolved. It was fast, it was hard, it was tough. And it was also, it had the, the nice pitches and the skill and the create. You know, I wouldn't want to go back further because it was, it was even harder. And I think I played at a really good time. I'm, I'm really comfortable with that. In terms of the analysis, I think, I think when you do anything, quite a long period, you evolve and you get better. My tactical stuff, I've tried to improve on. Although I, I always felt I had a good eye for tactics while I was playing it in a game and while watching one mm-hmm. I was very fortunate very well educated at crew under Dario Gradi from a tactical level it was a wonderful wonderful coach the tactic side is something that when you do the work I do it a lot of people can sit and watch a game and maybe even see it maybe not everyone but a lot of people see a tactical element that's that's you know you watch a game and you'll see that I don't know let's say the the, the wing backs are causing one team a lots of problems something simple like that but it's then being able to take the bits from the game to show people at home how that's, that's the bit I've got better at. So the, the bit I've got better at is, is not seeing it, but it's being able to show it to others from where I've seen it. And that's the bit. If I can intervene on the other, Graham, thought the BBC's been marvellous for you yeah. and to you. I don't, I don't want to talk about me if there have been bits where you've been chuffed with them. They've given you a platform which has made you money and, and left you appreciated by people. And it gives you a really direct contact with the sport and other ex-footballers, which is a, must be a marvellous thing in life to have. But when I watch it, and it's worse still for ITV, one of the things that I don't know if you ever yearn, and I'm not asking you to talk, you know, behind your employer's back, but you have to do those, you have to communicate those things that you've identified in very short spaces of time. And there might be sometimes when you sit and watch, I don't know, Monday Night Football, for example, and go, look at the amount of time they've got to draw out their argument, yep. to say qualifying things. So I'm arguing this, but of course, if you do that, and I mean, that, that's, that's paradise for somebody who loves tactics. Yeah, but that, that's, that's, I'm, I'm fortunate in that I have other platforms. So I do work on radio where I have three hours on, on two shows a week to explore some of the tactical stuff that I might have hinted at at the weekend on the okay. day. The other, the other thing on 
the, the way the BBC format works, of course, especially uh, on, on a Saturday. Of course, it's intense because there's six, eight, nine games sometimes on a Saturday. But because I get the opportunity to do the Sunday match of the day as well some weeks, mm-hmm. where you might only have two shows, you can really dig into the analysis yeah. there. So you don't get ideal world, yeah, Monday night football on the sky mm-hmm. where you get to really analyse. But I tell you what, the, the, the challenge is when... And, it, and, and this is why it's good to have varied work in, any, in anything. Yes. The, the quick turnaround of weekend work, especially Saturdays, means that you are genu- generally going off your instinct and what you've seen. Whereas what happens, say, if you do it on a Monday night, like I do a radio show on a Monday night, your opinion can evolve... Or dissolve. <laughs> That's very <laughs> because of what everyone else is saying. Yeah. So you know, I've spoken to Carrie about Monday nights. He's he's bright enough to look at what everyone else is saying and look at the other shows. He watches yeah. matches that, and then try and find something a bit different, or look at it from a different angle. Yeah. Which you don't do when you're doing it an hour after the game. No. You know, and even on a midweek match of the day on a Wednesday night, the game will finish at nearly ten, and you're on half an hour later. Mm-hmm. You're getting real opinion. Mm-hmm. So it's a balance, and I, I love doing the technical side. Yeah. I, I think it's the hardest thing to do. Yeah. I think one of the hardest things in, in my job is translating a tactical opinion to pictures yeah. Yeah. in a short space of time. Yeah. Yeah. The longer you have to do it, the easier, mm-hmm. because you can keep tweaking and finding it and finding what suits your narrative. But not many people I watch, they don't really want to get too involved in the tactical element because it's hard work. Mm-hmm. I'd rather pick a player who scored a hat trick, mm-hmm. which I've done, of course. But you know, it's the easier, it's the easiest, and, and the easiest of all, because we get very limited technology in the league, and you do touch screen work. The simplest thing of all is to pick on mistakes, yeah. of which there are a million, and it's very easy to show something that way. Mm. But it might, might not be very educational. It's certainly not hugely elevated work. So unless you're picking on a mistake, saying, "Well, I told you two weeks ago, and he did it this week, and he's done it again," and, and there's a, a thread there. That's the simplest thing to do, but some of the technology that you've got at your disposal now is utterly astonishing. It is, but actually, it's, you'd be amazed how much of it you, you on, when you watch a game, you, you see you know, the technology might help you pinpoint something, show something in a nice way. I mean, in terms of the communication, yeah. not not oh, like, communication. You, you, your yeah. eyes and your brain identify it. I'm talking about that that quick turner, but yeah. like when you've got a you know spotlight or when you've got these things that yeah. show movement, or you can take a player instead of saying if only he'd gone there, you just yeah. take him. But yeah, those help and the numbers help. Whoa. Sometimes the numbers. Yeah, you get all these numbers for everything now. Too many. But I tell you, I tell you one thing. I think there are there are lots of of course lots of occasions when some teams' players aren't physically at it. Sometimes they're not doing the hard yards or they're not mm. fit, as fit as the opposition. Mm. But you'd be amazed once you look past the obvious of saying they're not, they don't want it as much, mm-hmm. which is a very generic term. Mm. They don't want it as much generally means tactically they're wrong. Okay. Okay? So that, that's the way I see it. It's my yep. opinion. You, as I said, there are, there are exceptions to that. But if a team is generally getting done over by another team and they've got equal players quality you know mid-table prem game it's normally a tactical problem that's happening you know for example I watched Brighton Leicester yesterday and Brendan's very good tactical I can't believe you said that because we did too and that was what was running through my right, well there was really there was strong identification I don't know if it was Troy talking about one of the players not going not bothering to go and press I, I haven't seen any TV on it just as in any reaction just what I watched the game Brighton tactically first half were dominating it. They were dominating the game because of the tactics first half, the way they set up compared to Leicester's four four two, the inverted wingers, you know, Madison and Barnes playing wide and the two up top. Brighton's system dominated the ball, dominated the game. They got away with two two, but I knew Brennan had changed it. And he did right matching up. So he went three, two wing backs, and tweaked it in the middle. And I thought it was the right thing. Now they had less shots. You got battered second half, mm. which can be quality. It can be a lack mm-hmm. of quality, a lack mistakes. of mistakes, mistakes, wonder goals, a lack of understanding on how to play that role, that mm-hmm. position. Yes. Well, they play it better. But at core, you think he still made the right decision. He did, yeah. because they couldn't carry on that way. <laughs> Tactically, they, were, they, were, they weren't being done in the first half from a lack of quality. They were being done because of the system. But you have to live with being, you weren't on TV then, but you have to live with being a voice in the wilderness there because for the amateur in the chair, they're saying, but Danny, but they still got, you know, I know, yeah. I know, 
back. But you, yeah, and that's the great thing. You can be technically good in a football match <laughs> and still lose because you're up against real quality. So it's it's. Look, I, I don't know. This football thing could become addictive because it's damn interesting when you get. Do you know what? It. Do you know what's great? It's having having a platform to be able to put a, put across opinions that might provoke thoughts. Yeah. It's not about always being right. You know, I've had some great chats with people on social media who are, who have actually come away from the chat thinking, do you know what? Good point. The dialogue, the discourse about football has changed altogether. Maybe it seems sometimes to you, everybody's got an opinion and most of them are wrong. But our terminology, our ability to talk about tactics or strategies or changes within games has has altered beyond any kind of... And you're part of that dialogue. And I think, although it leads to a lot of um, angry discourse on social media, I think it's a healthy change Mm. that we actually talk about football rather than treat it as theatre entertainment. And this is something I wouldn't have done years ago, and I don't mind admitting it, but I watched a chat show on Football Sky Sports, it was, yesterday, and there was two, a couple of journalists on. They actually spoke well. <laughs> <laughs> I was engrossed in it because they were both putting across well intelligent arguments mm-hmm. because they've been forced over the years to watch more football, yeah. evolve their opinions, plus the journalists get a wonderful opportunity to interview and chat to very intelligent football people. So if you don't learn when you're doing that, you're never going to. So actually, their conversations are, as you said, evolving to a point of like real interest for someone like me. I hope so. I mean, don't get me wrong. You can have people who've played the game and talk nonsense and people who work in journalism who talk nonsense and vice versa. You know, just because you, you haven't played and I've played doesn't mean I see everything and you don't. It's... You know, I, I'm not that narrow-minded anymore. I was when I played, or even when I first started doing media. I think, how can you even having a debate with me when you haven't played the game? And that's not that's not real life. That's 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 just ego. I I actually enjoy listening to all types of people talking about football and and keeping my mind open because you never know it all. Healthy. And actually, most of it's opinion. None of it's fact, <laughs> is it? Well, the only fact—the only fact—is Messi's the greatest player that's ever lived. That's probably the only fact in football. Hallelujah. Selling a little or a lot. Shopify helps you do your thing however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage. All the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is there to help you grow. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Get a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash work. Shopify.com slash work. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, to get 20, 20, 20, to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So, Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promoting for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. I have one section, two themes. We're all right? Yep. Okay, the first then, uh, before I ask you where we were on your 33rd birthday and why, which is a, <coughs> a dark answer, I, I liked watching you, which is the, the principal reason that we've invited you here. It's, it's interesting listening to you. You've helped the debate about football a lot over your, your analytical career, but I like watching you. And there's no getting away from the fact that you described the era you played in as it's quite quick, quite aggressive. It wasn't as hooligan-esque as the 60s or the 70s where everything just got kicked. But nonetheless, you were born with the gift you were given, and that's your phrase, was you weren't, it wasn't added to that 
you know, if you'd been five, eleven, six, and and maybe able to leap beyond mm. or sprint beyond, other things might have awaited you. Because if you ally that with a brain and a, mm. and a lovely touch and vision, the world's your ostrich. So you 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 played at a time when you needed to find space, you needed to be clever. And really, what I'm asking now, what I want to know is, in that era, particularly when you stood out for Liverpool, how much did you visualise an opponent? How much did you know that opponent will kick me? How much did you know that opponent's slow on his left foot? How much was in your head before a game? How much did you prep up? How did you find space against whichever rival? Your, your number one rival across your entire career was Manchester United, who you played 28 times. Well, there's two parts of your question. The first one, which is the easier bit, is that, yes, in terms of opposition, I would know I was up against generally. And I'd quite quickly know their strengths because I've been playing around this league for years so if for example I was playing right midfield and Ashley Cole was playing left back I'm not going to let him go on his left I'm going to overshow him inside and I'm going to be ready for his quick give and goes and just block him a nudge yeah I I, I didn't I knew because I knew Ash so well Mm. I wasn't concerned I'd rather play against Ash than a left back from Romania I'd never played and I wouldn't have a clue if you're playing United you're also part of a structure, a team structure. So the manager yeah. set the t- So even if you decided, for example, I want to go and press because that's my instinct to yes. stop him. If, if that's not the, what we're doing as a team, you don't do it. So some of it was dictated to you and some of it was your own prep. So if you're playing United, our philosophy against United was always the same. Narrow, um, low block, narrow. Let them go around the sides. No one's going to edit in. I don't care if Beckham's the best crosser in the world. No one's editing it in. Gigs, let them go. Fly down there and cross it to who? You know, Scholes, Van Nistelrooy, people like that. I mean, changed a bit over time, but it worked for us. Nice and narrow. Don't let them play through the middle and kill you with the good strikers, whether it be York, Teddy, or whoever it was. And then Rude, Rude Van Nistelrooy came, of course. Just keep it wide and keep it narrow. So it didn't matter what I wanted to do. That's what we were doing. Mm-hmm. So that's dictated to Individually, some battles, yeah. I knew if you're playing against, the, say, it's... Say I'm doubling up with Jamie Carragher back in the day as he's a fullback and I'm a right midfielder and you've got Ginola. Really, you've got to show him one way together, you know, because he's going to dance through you otherwise. And you, you know, you have a little word with each other and you, you do, you just make plans. You do your prep because that's what we did. In terms of the other, how you impact the game in your position, I didn't think about it too much unless I'd struggled against that team and that formation or that person before. Most of the time, I'd let my natural instinct do it. So I'll try and explain that. I'm playing right midfield at Anfield in a 4-4-1-1. I know this team's going to sit back and be deep. And I know for 20 minutes in this first game, I'm going to have to stay wide and give us some width before there's any space to go in that little hole. Got Get some balls out wide. Just show them at least I'm going to be out here. Try and get a couple of crosses in, don't have to beat whatever. And then that'll open up a bit later. But I've got to be patient. I can't go in there too early and tighten it up. I've got to stretch the game. Right. Things like that. Condition the left back, the left midfielder yeah, to think it. Yeah. Danny's going to be there, the boss will be yeah. angry if he gets across it and it's a goal. So they just gradually yeah. edge out. But, contrary to that, if they don't do exactly what I thought they were going to do three minutes in, and I see this is, they're having a press here, there's loads, of, I'm, I'm in, I'm gone. Or, Esky's dropped in and I see a gap, and some Stevie's got the ball, I'm in. <laughs> I just happen, it'll do it. I, won't, I'm not rig- I wasn't rigid. But I was disciplined. You could trust me to do the job. If there's a moment to improvise, you'd improvise. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And I think that's why most of the managers I got... Well, the managers I played under liked my discipline in terms of I could play a position. Mm-hmm. You tell me to play old in role and how to play. You tell me to play left in a four mm-hmm. and how to do it. But they also knew I'd influence the game. Because the way I played football, I had a natural gift in terms of seeing pictures of where people are when I had the ball. It's a good phrase. like yeah. that. Yeah, so... The pictures I saw were natural, and I don't think you can teach that. So I would always try things because I saw pictures. People don't try things sometimes in football, non-creative players, because they don't see the pictures. You can't try something if you don't see it. Some people see it and don't have the courage to do it because they don't They're afraid the of ball. risk. Yeah. yeah. I wasn't. I was the other way. I had to tone myself in at times. I, I used to... So I never worried about impact in the game it tended to happen <laughs> very few games would go by where I don't have an impact make a chance or have a chance that was like something that I would, that's the gift I'm talking about you could about. feel it in there I, I, it just I found a way just find a way Superb. you find a way by by hook or by crook it's a bit 
think of a, a comparison. When, when, I, when I played football, my brain was, was always thinking, have I done enough in this game? What more can I do? How can I do it? Right? They were the little questions I'd ask myself. Come on, you haven't impacted yet. You haven't yet. Come on, you've got to find a way, find a way. Yeah. And sometimes it might mean going to do something that the manager doesn't want you to do. That's the improvisation. <laughs> but I didn't overthink it. If you're talking about hotel night before a game, leading up to a game, thinking, oh my God, we're playing against this Arsenal side who never, who, you know, they're invincibles and they've got all these wonderful players. It wouldn't, it wouldn't make me think, I wouldn't lose belief going on the pitch that my ability wouldn't show. Having seen you play, I certainly didn't feel like that. I, I was really more talking about visualisation. A lot of people now do believe in visualisation. Of and, scoring, of... Mm, okay, maybe scoring, but also, how will this match play out? Where should I be? What if? And they have That's an array team, of options yeah. in their head. Yeah. But they're more defensive, I think. Okay. For me. I have to make sure I do my job within the team to stop them. Very difficult for a coach to come up with. You have a structure on how you're going to play. So if you're playing two wide plays, you're going to ask him to get crosses in. You know things like that. So you know that might be a, a a plan in attacking. But generally, a lot of creative football you see, a lot of a lot of goals you see, are just players being creative in themselves. Mm. It's not a master plan. Mm. Movements are plan. You can yeah. work on movements. Yeah. You know, like you two are going to play together, but when he comes in, you're going to go there. But but even that becomes a na- it's, it's automatics the, in some it's cases. Gift. Yeah. Not many coaches I've worked under. I've worked under some fabulous ones. Do many patterns of play for attacking. It's a setup. This is how we're going to play. You know, you three are going to cause the problem, or you four. Don't worry if you rotate a bit. Make sure if one's at the front post, you're at the back. All those things. It's more the defensive structure that you yeah. have to nail down for players because yeah. most players are that way thinking. The, 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 the two aspects of football, really, with and without the ball. Without the ball is most players' problem because mm-hmm. most players are at the professional level because they're good with the ball. Mm-hmm. Most players without the ball need some help and guidance. Tuition. Yeah, mm-hmm. I think so. Mm-hmm. Now, you can, get, you can get help and guidance, of course, with the ball, but it's generally without the ball, how you set up and what you do. And as a player, really, you've got to think about football really quite simply. I say this to young lads now. What are you doing when you haven't got it? What are you doing when you've got it? And when you, when you play football, you're only in two scenarios on the pitch. One's with your back to goal, and one's with everything in front of you. So just set yourself a little... So when, when I played my back to goal, mm. I only had one really thing, which don't lose the ball, first and foremost. Mm. If I can then get more confident and play around corner, fine. But if my back to goal, which I didn't love, I could do it. Because obviously I'm taking it off defenders when I'm playing in a holding role, trying to take it on the side. But if my back's to goal, generally don't risk it. That was my... When I'm that way, how can I help us score a goal? That was me. Not how many, not, not how many passes is going to get my numbers up. Or can I get a 95% success pass rate? <laughs> that drives yeah. me mad. <laughs> yeah, that if, you've got, if you've got a 90% pass rate, you are a coward. You're taking simple options You're to boost numbers. You're not a midfielder to me. You might as well, you might as well just not... What, what are you, why? With, you're, with a, the, you're a water carrier. With the simple exception of, unless you're a Xavi or an Iniesta, who have those figures and still take enormous they, risks yes, and open things do. up. You're, you're talking about... I'm talking not the celestial players. No, I mean, you, but the rest. people like people like Xavi. I mean, his passing was generally progressive. You know, oh, like really Lord. Progressive. Well, even if he stopped and turned and yeah, did one of his, yeah. it was in order. So but, that. But, but I'm talking about players a lot yeah. who, who actually do think about the numbers yeah. while they're playing. Yeah. That's horrible. That's horrible. I know they do, though. I had good good coaches, and my first one, Dario Gradi at Crew, he said to me one day it's really made sense stayed with me what are you he said I'll tell you what you are you see all the pictures you're a good passer you're a creator so you're either in football a creator or a destroyer hmm. if you can do both you've got them made hmm. but you're a creator he said so forget about destroying people forget about destroying people he said you can work hard get yourself in good positions in a structure I don't want to see you going into tackles with six foot two guys and missing you for six weeks and I was like, God, that makes sense. You know, I don't want you going in to tackle because you're angry and the dugout sort of fans give you a round of applause and you can't play for three weeks. I was like, yeah, okay. So you're a creator. And then from that moment, 
No, no, I wouldn't say from that moment, but that really helped me simplify my thought process on a football pitch. Uh, do you know what? I'll tell you something really interesting really quickly about Clint Dempsey. He was the first footballer I ever played with who was obsessed with numbers. American, but relevant numbers. Chances made, hmm. shots on goal. Hmm. They're the two. He had a few others, but those two. He could have a brilliant game, do all his work defensively, do everything good, not have a chance, not have a shot, get a nil-nil away at Arsenal. Mm. He'd be fuming. Even though the manager said, Clint, best player on the pitch, whatever. No. All he did, every game, was judge his game based on those two things. And I tell you what, he was our top goal scorer at Fulham for four mm. years on the spin. Mm. Probably, arguably, had a better career than anyone thought he was ever going to. Got his move to Tottenham, scored double figures there, mm-hmm. then got a multi-million pound move to go back to what was it, Salt Lake City, whatever it was. If if you are your own coachman and, and you're driving yourself towards the right destination, mm. it adds into all the gifts you've been given, the the professional trainers who make you fit, the coach who says where your teammates around you. You must have that. If you've got that, then it can um, add a, a huge X factor to whether you're an average player or a terrific player. Everybody can do with it. You give me a brilliant assist. Given Dario's advice, what happened in the nets? Were you just furious that El Senio had tried to take Duffer's legs off? Because just that cost after. you, that cost you on your birthday, Fulham 4, Juventus 1. And when I lived in London, my young daughter, who's now Cara, is, is significantly older. Her first season ticket was Fulham. We live very near the cottage. It's a brilliant place. So even though I was living in Boston, I was watching Fulham going, they can't, can they? They can't, can they? That must have pissed you off. You, you said that the final will become your worst night in football. You knock out Hamburg. Shakhtar are the tournament holders. I think, I could be wrong here, I think you beat the German champions. Wolfsburg. On, Wolfsburg en route to the final. Donetsk, what, what the heck? Well, firstly, let me just deal with what you said about the way I felt about you, though. I was actually fine. No way. Yeah, I'll tell you why. I'd, I'd obviously got the ban, the two-game ban. And we lost the first game away. Yep. So I was fuming at that one because I thought I could impact the team better. We'd lost. I thought we were done. 3 1 in Turin. 3 1 in Turin. I thought, you know what? That was a check, you know. Could I have made a difference in the game? Yeah, I watched the game. We weren't very good. We weren't getting on the ball. Home game. I turned up there with a mate of mine. Just wish the lads all the best. I'm sat in the cottage. They score early on. Correct. So I said to me, mate, should we just go and have a bevy? <laughs> This is done. He sounded like me. This is done. He went, hold on, you never know. I said, what? I do know. I was like, come on. Give his first name a name check here. Um, a friend of mine called Anthony, Anthony Jones. Well done, He's one of the physios at Liverpool. Well done. Anyway, we decided to sit a bit longer. And the lads put in a performance from wherever. It was a, do you know what? Being a fan for that, with the lad, it was amazing. I actually okay. loved it. Okay, yeah. And the other reason I loved it is, we've only gone through and I'm back. <laughs> And it's not like I have to worry about my place. It wasn't like, oh, he's going to keep the team the same. I'll be back in. Yeah. So it was an amazing night. It was actually a great birthday. Trezeguet put some 4 one. Yeah. It was a good birthday. Yeah, it really was. 4-1 up after two minutes. You're playing against world champion Cannavaro, world champion Fabio Grosso, World Cup winner Cameronesi, World Cup winner Trezeguet, World Cup winner Alex Del Piero. I tell you what, you're 4-1 down at the cottage. I'd love to meet someone that knows Fabio Cannavera and ask him the questions of what he thought about Bobby Zamora. Nightmare night for... Well, he sent off, didn't he? Cannavaro, two bookings. No, straight red in 27 minutes. Uh, yeah, Bobby was beating them. Bobby was beating them up, but the sending off helped. Going back to the original bit, Donetsk. It's a great memory, those games, because they turned up, and you, you'd have known some of their players better than us. They turned up at the cottage, and it was all a bit of fun, really, because we didn't expect to go to the final. Um, and we scored early in the game and late in the game to beat them 2-1 at home. For the rest of the game, they put on a possession masterclass. It was like, it was like Barca, but not Barca. They had a few Brazilians. So they had Fernandinho, yeah. William, yeah. a young lad, uh, I think it was a number, it might have been an eight, but played as a ten called Jadson. Jadson, yeah, yeah. They... Um, they also had off the bench Douglas Costa, who was a superstar. I mean, went to Bayern Munich, I think, didn't he? Juve Munich. Yeah. So we've won the game against them, and actually, in the in the dressing room after, we were laughing about the fact we got to go there <laughs> and play them on the big pitch with those players. 
I'd never, Fernandinho, and I said to loads of people, any of my mates and anyone you follow will tell you this, the day after I played against him. You knew then, did you? I said, he's the top player. Yeah. Because he was good at both. Yeah. Come and smash you. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You go after him, play round you. Nice. Bap, 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 it's bap, a hell bap. of a combination, isn't it? Yeah. Um, arguably been the best holding player in the Premier League since it's you know, been up there. Big praise. Up super, there. super. Anyway, we've gone there. And uh, we knew what we were in for, but we could defend them. We, we, we were patient, well drilled. And we, got, uh, we ended up scoring off of set Big Bread Angeland. That's off a right. Damien Duff free kick. So then all of a sudden, we're two goals ahead. <laughs> They're in panic because they thought they were going to steamroller us. They did. You could sense it. You know, they were all laughing and joking in before the game. <laughs> anyway, we hung on, but near the end, you're right. So what happened? The lad's gone through, Duff. Ilsenio. Ilsenio is a good player, Brazilian. Yeah. yeah. He's chopped him down. Roy, apoplectic, on the pitch. He's lost This ain't Roy. <laughs> a few minutes later, I've done the stupid kicking Scherner. Dario Scherner, Ah, got sent off. And it was a nothing thing. It was like, wasn't even worth getting sent off for. Shouldn't have been, but just might as well just give him a dig. But anyway, do you know what? I don't know what came over me, really. It was a, just one of nonsense gesture thing. But got sent off. We've won the game. Everyone's buzzing. Even Roy's buzzing, even though I've got sent off. There was no angle to appeal it, really. No. But the best bit about this story, and this is what you call management, I think, I'm called in. They have these boundaries that the fines come under for whichever you do. Okay. And there is a manager's discretion thing, but, you know, yeah. so if you trip someone over to stop them scoring the last, you know... You ain't going to get a big fine. Exactly. So this was under the fine. Big one. So Roy, Roy's called me in about the fine. So, so, you know, what can we do? He said, there's no fine. He said, um, I'm paying a fine. I said, what, you're paying my fine? He said, no, I am paying a fine. I'm not paying your fine. He said, but my behaviour, two minutes before, when Duff went through, he said, how can I expect you and ask you to behave when I'm behaving like that? He said, it's on me, not you. Very impressive. It's like that. <laughs> I'd come out the door and I was just like... <laughs> 20 grand richer, thank oh, God. Oh, superb. What a brilliant... Like, yeah. What he'd done is he'd... And, and he'd taken some responsibility because he, he, he must have thought, well, apart from the example, I, I, I'd raised the temperature. Yeah. Maybe yeah. it's in Danny's yeah, head. Yeah, yeah. But, and, and also, I think, he, you know, he'd been appreciative of how much I'd given. I, I, I didn't miss good leadership. Games. But I see a lot of managers these days and I still believe... You've got to be yourself, I know that, and every manager's got different characteristics. But I believe there's a lot in players responding to how your manager reacts and responds to things. Because if he's able to have... If you've got Conte and Tuchel doing what they did on the pitch, I know it was a bit... It's great for the fans because they show passion. But what I mean is, if the players are then going at each other Mm -hmm. and one of them gives you the one a dig... Yeah, the managers can't say you're on your own. No, you can't... Exactly. You can't... If you behave that way... You've set an example. You've set an example. I think... The best thing, the best, the managers. This is me as a as a player. Mm-hmm. Doesn't respond. Not everyone's the same. I think for me, the managers who behave calmly, and they've they've got this this never nothing's ever too brilliant, nothing too bad. I think it reflects. It, it helped me stay calm and stay focused on the job. Understood. And it started from when I was at Crew because I'll never forget in the old fourth division. You know, we played in all of them. At Gresty Road, we're playing somebody one day. And all you, you know, the lads are senior pros who've been round the block, down in the lower league, screaming and shouting at the top of their head in the tunnel, trying to intimidate each other. And I wasn't a big one for it anyway. And Dario's popped his head out. Said, who's shouting? <laughs> who's, to his own players, not to them. Yeah. Who's shouting here? A couple of lads were, oh, it's me, gaffer. And he went, why don't you save some of that energy for out there? Use some of that fight out there, because the way you played last week, I mean, I don't know what you're shouting out here for. Just mm. shut up. And I just thought, it don't make sense. <laughs> yeah. It makes sense. Be calm. Focused. You know, the best... If you think to all the great teams, Messi's probably the best example mm. of someone who never really lets his emotion get the better of him. Do you know what he did? It was against your bloke. It Robinson. was against Shakhtar in Monte oh. Carlo in the UEFA Cup Super Final, no. and he headbutted him. Because Darius Serna, I don't know what he had oh, done. He's yeah, always a wind up merchant, yeah, yeah, yeah. And we've talked to him, he's joined us in a project. He's a, he's a bright and, and very likable, really interesting man. But he's when every street smart that's going, yeah. he's doing messy, and he's doing messy. He bops him, yeah. and the referee goes, <laughs> didn't see it, Smith didn't see it. 
and they went and blah 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 and eventually one of the Shakhtar boys is sent off but you're right across the piece even in yesterday in the World Cup final when he's being booted yeah. he boots Van Bommel back and subsequently admits you know, look if, um, who's the, if Webb had sent me off yeah, well, everyone's fallible. I'm not. I'm not. But I'm just meaning, in general, if you if you have a leader who stays calm in no situation, I, I think it helps the group. It, it, it spreads the. The problem is. Bit. The problem is. I think some managers, not all, because it's their natural instinct. Their passion overrides them. Mm. But some of them, their behaviour is conscious for the supporters. Oh, yeah. and I think. Why, why would you... Because what they think, if you're not running down the... If you're yeah. not jumping in the crowd in the corner flag and a last-minute winner, you don't care. Yeah. And it's so narrow-minded. Yeah. You've got... You're a leader of a football club in the Premier League where you have hundreds of people below you, and I think you have to... I, this is my belief in leadership and management, is conduct yourself in a way that's reflected. I'm with you, and, and, and although all I'm lauding... In, I, I, I'm not a bit... Because I'm, Brilliant speaker with a brilliant he vocabulary. He is brilliant, yeah. But he's definitely got a mind on what's going on around him, whereas Conte is just a walking volcano. Yeah, yeah. It, it, For good and bad. For good and bad. But we, we remain, uh, we, our country, I'm a Scot, you're English, so, you know, we're, we're a warrior people. Mm. So that thing about occasionally or playing to the fans, I think it still works. It does. Because we treat everything, any contest, uh, in some degree, subconsciously as a war. Yeah. The competitive instinct, competitive instinct exists in every. But when country. it's natural, I like it. That's all I'm going yeah, to. When it's natural, I think sometimes it's a bit, it's it's a bit overdone. If, but if it, if it spills out and it's absolutely uncontrollable, yeah. which doesn't fly in the face of what you're saying, because you're talking about somebody who's never up, never down, but bright through a, a longer period, that across the longer period of calm decisions and calm words and not losing your place and making a bad decision because you're angry. That will benefit a squad. It benefited you. But occasional explosions just happen. I, I think it's less relevant than probably the, one of the most. I, I think one of the, the things players hate the most about managers is is the blame game. Hulier and Hodgson were two of the best. Maybe just near the end of the tenure when Hulier was, you know, struggling a bit under pressure. But more often than not, no one's fault. We're looking in the mirror, hmm. right? We're not blaming refs. Not blaming the opposition. Mm-hmm. We're not blaming anything. This blame game, victim, victim. You're the victim. We'll blame somebody else. Hulier was adamant on it not not coming into the dressing room. Hodgson the same. He might have a pop at the ref in our dressing room, and actually, fine. But mm-hmm. he'd go out mm-hmm. and go on camera. Mm-hmm. Bum. And you know when you're talking, you know, like I mean. Tuchel's a good example, very intelligent man. I was very surprised when I heard him talking about the coaches having to go on a coach and uh, blaming X, Y and Z for this and that. And it was just like, whoa, you are, do not do that. You have got a brilliant squad of players. Talking about a lack of midfielders the other day, he still had 15 internationals and people like Loftus. That was after the Southampton. Mason Mount can play in the middle of the park, no problem. But all the other 18 clubs Mm. would have him off you like that. It's like, you've got to be... I think play, this is my opinion as a footballer when I played, as soon as you see your manager making excuses, I think it's a problem. Now, you can claw it back because you can have a bad weekend where you've lost your head a bit and then the next week, you know. I, it's like this weekend I watched the most horrendous decision. West, West Ham. West Ham. Right. Oh. Moises asked about it. Mm-hmm. And I like David Moyes. You can't, oh, you, big can't, you can't not. Correct. But he didn't need to say anything. Instead of saying scandalous. Well, he's right, by the way, and I don't think I'd have been able to hold back. But imagine everyone else was saying it for him. Mm-hmm. He, all he needed to do, and this is what I think I'd be like as a manager, because of the two great examples I'm telling you about. If you come out and go, don't need to talk about it, move on. It's, we know. Next. Because all of a sudden, what does that say to the... It, it's very intelligent, but it takes an awful lot of inner calm to be able to do that. Yeah, but that's what the best ones do. I think the best times. I mean, I say the best. Fer- Fergie, Jurgen threw a Jürgen, dart or two. He did, and Jurgen. But both of them were controlled. If, if if stuff came out, usually it's quite well planned. This is what I'll do. Yeah, I'm, I'm maybe being a bit naive to think you could never, you can never lose your rag. I don't mean that. I just mean if if your general persona and rule is not blaming. Yeah, don't. It, yeah. It's a good thing. Yeah, and I think I think players respond better to a manager that goes, "We know." We've been hard done by. Let's crack on. We'll put it right next week. That type of. Well, we're into the the veil of. The, the, it's sad to finish up a Danny Murphy interview with me 
papping out my useless opinions, but I watched that game against Southampton when the second goal went in. The faces and the body language of, of committed serial winners were like, this, this ain't right. We're not right. And Tuchel's words, but we're, we're easy to beat at the moment. Well, I did a piece on the game and I always find it a little bit worrying when players aren't doing basic things. And that can be, I mean, I don't know what happened to people staying with runners from midfield. Where, where did that mess up? A little bit. <laughs> Although not with people like when you, I tell you, I watched, I saw it, going back to that game, people running off each, people running, they ran off, Loftus cheek twice, Ward Prowse nearly got in. The space in the penalty area when the shots came in, which it was just like, everybody was standing yep. looking at him, and there's, a, there's a 10 metre. Jordan Henderson's a brilliant example. Mm-hmm. You watch him play, nobody ever runs off the back of him. You know, he's, you're not going to run off the back of him. He'll, and even if you do, and you get there a second before, he's there. He, he, he might not catch you on the odd occasion you do him, but he'll never leave you. It's, you're not getting a freebie. Mm. You've got to do something special. Mm. You know, people like him. People I mean, I tell you actually, McTominay, the last few games for United. Oh, hallelujah. Finally somebody. My God. Because the people are sheep. It's like... Fred McTominay rubbish they're the fault of everything never mind the Glazers during their crap time Fred and McTominay worked harder than anybody else McTominay in the last few games I've never seen him I've never seen a mid well occasionally very rarely seen a midfielder get back in the box head as many crosses out block as many shots and track as many runners incredible during the awful times if every person in the four, top 14, 15 players have been working that hard. Fine. They'd have had a good margin more of points. It, it, it wouldn't have solved all the problems, but the, the margin of points and defeats... He's never going to be Michael Carrick. No. Not many are. That's a gift where you're two-footed, pinging 30 yards, playing through the lines. It's not really him. But if you ask him to do that, you protect, mm. you track runners, you get in there and head crosses out and become a third centre-half, mm. you win tackles, mm. you care about what you're doing. I wouldn't want to play against him. Mm. Well, listen, um, Casemiro wants it to be uh, Fred. Uh, I think Ten Hag's going to disappoint him and make it a proud Scotsman. Well, he's got to get in himself first. He doesn't seem to be playing a lot, but I, I, he I, will. I suspect he, will, yeah. he might. Yeah, very yeah. good. Talking about quality midfielders, uh, we've spent this conversation with one. It's been more than the massive expectations we had for it. Thank you for your generosity, first of all. Thank you for sharing so much mm. and putting thought and and passion into the answers and thank you for what we all watched you doing it was it was a joy to watch you play and this has been marvellous thank you no, thank you very much nice to go down memory lane actually well we all deserve it and when you've had such nice memories why not bring them out every now and again Danny Murphy thank you for being on the beginning of you pleasure legend Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns.